Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Everybody I read in Southwest Conference, they talk about Texas in the last 10, 12 years has won two Southwest Conference. Houston, three. A&M finally won them one in 18 years. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami. I'm Robbie, and joined by my co host, Stephen Brown. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Play Podcast, pretty much anywhere you can get one. We're over 100 ratings and reviews now so thank you to all of you guys that have done that keep that up please we really appreciate it when you guys give us five stars because it makes us more visible and it really tells us how we did so anyways it's sunday how was your how has your weekend been and uh what else is new steven it hasn't been too bad i think um i think we're heading towards the wrong direction as far as uh opening back up so I kind of went out. I kind of was part of the problem a little bit, but um, it was a pretty good weekend. Not too bad. I've I've had an interesting kind of week. I uh, I got an email from my employer that said, "Hey, somebody, or at least you, have filed for unemployment. Is this true? And if it's..." not true please let us know and of course (laughs) i have not filed for unemployment so i had to go through the process of uh talking to the federal trade commission the irs the state the general the attorney general calling the uh three major credit union things it's dude it sucks like it's just you know and and i'd write a personal letter that i had to sign and fax in like who uses (laughs) fax anymore but it's just it's it's been that that has been awful and then but i did learn a i did learn something new that i downloaded an emulator on my mac and i've recently been reliving my childhood and playing some uh, pokemon so that's been fun there you go yeah gotta gotta catch them all not the virus but the pokemon (laughs) uh but yeah it's been it's been a it's been an interesting week but Man, this week is going to be really, really interesting. Coming up, we've got, of course, the 4th of July. We've got rumblings of stuff happening before July 4th and a little bit of things regarding recruiting after July 4th. We've got transfers. We've got JUCO guys that are question marks. We've got new emojis for some reason. We've got a lot of things. Um, So let's just dive on into it. So recruiting, first of all, we just need to address this. Why is Lincoln Riley going with new emojis? Is he tired of the eyeballs that can be replicated by anybody else, most namely Texas, or is this a special thing, or they just they just want to do that now? Do you do you have any idea why they would make a change? I don't think anybody knows for sure. Uh, my best guess would be 
he's just doing what the recruits want to do. Um, so in past years, they've always made the hashtag, and he would go with the hashtag. Um, you saw the recruits kind of put the O up a couple days before Lincoln Riley, and I think he's just going with it. I don't think there's any rhyme or reason. I think he just lets them kind of set the precedent on what they want to do on, on social media. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. And some people said, well, wait a minute. This could be the O could mean that it's a transfer and <laughs> the eyeballs could be for commitments. And, you know, I thought it was interesting, but I didn't think it was true. I think that's, like you said, I think it shows Lincoln Riley and how in tune his staff is with Gen Z kids, dudes that are going to be playing for him on Saturdays, and just like how much of a player's coach he is anyways. And I, I keep bringing this up, and this is not a means to trash Bob Stoops and his regime when they had him on campus, but I keep on trying to imagine the way Bob Stoops recruited before Lincoln was there. And Bob is not a tech-savvy guy, and neither was Heupel, and neither was anybody else on staff with Bob. And like imagine, imagine Bobby Jack Wright trying to recruit defensive backs right now. And so I'm thinking, man, like Oklahoma's, they're killing it in the game as far as vir- virtual visits, Zoom conferences, recruiting on FaceTime. And I keep on thinking what a Bob Stoops regime would do under this. Like, can you imagine Bob Stoops without a Lincoln Riley, somebody else like Seth Trail or somebody else on offense being his offensive coordinator or maybe still Josh Heupel? Could you imagine them recruiting during a pandemic and how different it would be in comparison to what Lincoln Riley's doing right now and is about to do this week? Oh, it would be night and day. I mean, Bob was kind of notorious for kind of checking out during the summer and then coming back right around um, like mid-late July. So for, you know, Lincoln Riley, he's been in tune with this for five months during this pandemic, and he's done a great job. Um, but for Bob, I think it w- it's not his his game. I think, like, I always thought of Bob Soup's recruiting as – and I, like, I'm, I'm in my podcast room right now, and I'm staring at one of his books that says No Excuses. <laughs> and in the book right above it is a fantastic book by Lovia Jaye called I'm Judging You. But Bob Stoops, his recruiting method is all, it was kind of like the episode of King of the Hill where, where uh, Hank is getting Bobby to learn the ins and outs of selling propane. And Bobby is just like kicking his ass, selling propane with his buddy at uh, at a uh, uh, what's the propane place called? Oh my gosh, it's not Fatherton; it's the other one. <laughs> Anyways, Bobby's kicking his butt at selling propane, and then at the very end of the episode, because Hank Hill had given out all of his customers all of the all of the information and all of the pamphlets then the recruits or the, then the customers would come in and buy propane and he'd win the day that's that's what bob soup's recruiting methods what it was like it was playing the long game and getting guys to sign in february and then with the addition of the new signing period i think that was definitely different for him so i think lincoln riley has done a hell of a job in recruiting during a pandemic especially what we're, ex- we're expecting this week now Somebody's unhappy, and it has nothing to do with the Sooner. It has nothing to do with anybody in the Big 12, but it might have to do with somebody in the Big 12 soon or maybe not. As you've mentioned previously, actually three weeks ago, months ago, in Marcel Brooks, who has notably put himself in the transfer portal. He says he's unhappy with LSU. 
you know more than I do about any of that. What is going on with Marcel Brooks if you know like what is like happening mentally with him or if he's actually <laughs> going to go to the transfer portal? What is going on here? I think it's just more of a guess, um, based on you know, based on what people know about him. Um, back in it would have been like late February, maybe early March, um, some rumors kind of popped up, and I think um, one of the other sites kind of brought it up. But uh, his name, Marcel Brooks, came up, and everyone's saying he's, he might transfer. He might transfer, and then you know LSU lands that linebacker um, transfer, so that kind of furthered the rumors. Um, so I got to asking some questions and. Um, the best answer I got was like, well, you know, Marcel Brooks, he kind of likes the attention. Um, so this this just may be one of his stunts. So then it kind of quieted down, quieted down. And all of a sudden you have Marcel Brooks, you know, trending on Twitter and the transfer portal. So I asked again, it's like, it's, it's still kind of up in the air. It might just be another stunt for him. And of course, Oklahoma needs drama queens, or anybody else needs drama queen. Somebody like, like, what? Why are you craving attention? You just won a national title. Why do you want to leave? It's just you know, kids love the the social media attention. They love to see them trending on Twitter, um, the retweets, the likes. It all kind of gets to their head. But you know, on the other hand, it could be that he's just realistically unhappy. Um, and there's some other rumors out there that he kind of wants to be closer to home, closer to his mom. And that's that's a reasonable excuse to, to transfer away. Yeah, and Brooks is from Texas, right? Yeah, I think just I want to say it's just outside of Dallas, maybe. I could be wrong about that. So that's why the rumor would be, oh, he's TCU's a viable option. His defensive coordinator or old defensive coordinator and David Rand is now the head coach right. at Baylor. So that's an option too, even though uh, you know Wake goes a little bit further down from Dallas. And so, I mean, Oklahoma's still in the mix here because they got close to securing his commitment before he signed with LSU, though, last year, right? Yeah, that's where Lincoln Riley kind of showed where he's one of those elite recruiters was he's like, I need a guy like you on my defense. I know I'm an offensive guy, um, but your talent is something I can't pass up. Yeah, and, and speaking to that is a guy that Oklahoma did secure, I think the number one safety in JUCO, and I think one of the top JUCO players from last year in the 2020 class in Justin Harrington, who is a massive defensive back. I think he's like, what, 6'2", 220, something, some some massive behemoth that could play corner. He wants to play corner is what he says, and he says Grinch said they would play corner. I would expect him to play safety or nickel, but it's just a massive guy. But he keeps on delaying his official arrival to campus, and it has something to do with some JUCO stuff. But A, how concerning is that is that he, his arrival on campus is keep on getting pushed, at, pushed back, excuse me, and B, how important is he to the Sooners in this coming season of 2020-2021? Well, I think that you should be rightfully concerned. I mean, you see a guy that should be arriving on campus today, pretty much. And this date keeps getting pushed back and pushed back. Um, so that, you know, when that happens, you don't have great confidence that he might show up by fall camp. Um, as far as importance, I think it's very important. They don't have a guy like that on defense. I mean, he's like 6'2", six, 6'3". Um, hard hitter can back up the linebackers. So you mean Trey Norwood's not going to do the job? I don't think Trey Norwood has the uh, the will and the body type to be what Justin Harrington could be. That's fair. And I just Harrington, he seems like he can play several positions. He can play the nickel. He can play the safety. He can. He's a dude that definitely wants to play and run support. He definitely wants to knock some heads off. So when I look at him, I think of your typical head hunting safety. 
And I don't look at many other safeties Oklahoma's had in the past like that. I mean, Delaria and Turner Yale, he's a headhunter and he's a heat seeking missile, but he's also like half a foot shorter than <laughs> Justin Harrington. So, and what Alex Grinch wants in his defense are big guys and guys with long arms that are just very long athletes in general. And that's really what you want, and that's what they would be getting in Justin Harrington. So, hopefully, it's more like a Quincy Russell situation where he's arriving on campus but not like a Quincy Russell situation where she just flames out and actually never plays remember how big he was supposed to be for Oklahoma and they just never played yeah he got all the preseason hype and didn't he end up transferring out is that right I don't know if he transferred out or he just kind of he just fell back into yeah. the it's pretty odd uh, a sooner that or you know, not a sooner yet seemingly but a player that has named his commitment date on july 4th and a guy that's been trending towards oklahoma pretty rapidly keon coleman six foot four receiver very raw but has the athletic specimen and attributes to be successful you know he may be recruited as an athlete but why the sudden rise in interest? And we talked before the podcast in that he's been in, like, discussions as far as, like, oh, you know, he's there. Stuff so like kind of like Michael Sturdivant, like, he's there, but he's not a name that everybody's actively talking about, like uh, Julio Farouk and they, right. like they were for uh, Mario Williams for a while. But Keon Coleman suddenly leaning Oklahoma and looks like he will be committing to the Sooners on July 4th. Why the sudden rise in interest, and can you see him effectively playing defensive back if they really do make him or kind of view him as an athlete? I think he starts at wide receiver. Um, I think that's more of his natural position. But for the interest part, I mean, Oklahoma's been in on him for the past several months. It's just not a, a hot topic name. It's not a Mario Williams name, right? So he's just kind of been in the background, and um, these lists come out, and, you know, He's, he's on the list, so... Um, his, think, his offer sheet is not very exciting. It's not... Yeah, it's not one of the national guys. It's not like uh, Mario Williams, where you have an offer from pretty much every school. Um, but as far as, you know, why the sudden interest, I think Josh McQuistion kind of put it best. You kind of build your, your wide receiver room like you'd build a basketball team. So you don't want, you know, a clone of every guy. You want some some different body types there, and Oklahoma doesn't have a six four guy. Um, they had it with you know Jeff Meade, which didn't turn out too well. But um, they want some variety. They want a guy that can go up and you know snag a ball over the middle. Um, so that would be kind of why they would trend in that direction. Gosh, remember when Oklahoma recruited ex- exclusively with Jay Norvell? It recruited exclusively six foot three receivers, like like you said, like Dallas Todd, Jeff Meade. Uh, A.D. Miller, Mark Andrews, like all of them, they were just had a ton of trees, and only one of them. Yahoo Green. Yeah, only one of them panned out. Yeah, Mark Andrews was the best one, and he turned into a, a tight end. Just unbelievable, and I'm I'm glad I in my fantasy league I got him as a really late pickup last season, and he ended up really killing it for me. But it's just unbelievable to me uh, that like you can just you can just go through all those receivers as Jay Norvell. And only hit on the Juco guys besides Sterling Shepard, who was always going to go to OU, no matter what he said to him. So it was pretty intriguing there. But transitioning to safety play in general, Kendall Daniels, the state of Oklahoma, 
their top safety. Now, Oklahoma's already got Jordan Mukes in the boat from, from Choctaw, and he's good. He's long. He's athletic. He might even play linebacker because he's going to get bigger. Kendall Daniels looks like a safety. He's got the speed to be a safety, and it looks like OU's in a fight for him with Clemson and Texas A&M, and from what from what we know, his family does not care if he stays in state. That's not an issue. Like his family's like, yeah, they just want to be in the best position possible, like you would for any other person. So, my question is, why can't OU keep? And like, let's say he does go somewhere else, because it's a definite possibility. Why can't Oklahoma keep the best safety prospects in their own state? Because you look, you backtrack every single year. Miles Slusher, the best safety, goes to Arkansas. Dax Hill. Michigan, Josh Proctor, Ohio State, Cameron Curl goes to Arkansas and ends up on the Washington Redskins. Now, Will Sunderland, he was the last time in 2015, Will Sunderland was the last Oklahoma safety prospect, the top one that Oklahoma actually got committed, and then he committed a crime in Eddington Hall and then ended up going to <laughs> Troy, and now he plays on the Green Bay Packers. So the, the last top safety prospect in the state of Oklahoma... They actually finished with the Sooners and is actually now in the NFL because he went with the St. Louis Rams and then then to the Miami Dolphins is Stephen Parker in 2014. That's the year that Trevor Knight became a quadriplegic on the field, transient <laughs> quadriplegia, if we remember that statement. And so why can't Oklahoma recruit the top safety in their state? Is it just like that a is that a mental thing for the staff? Is that just a Oklahoma's prospects looking at the defense sort of thing? What is going on here, and what do you expect Kendall Daniels to do in the future? Do you think he leans Oklahoma, or do you think he definitely does go to a guy very familiar with the Oklahoma staff or very familiar with Oklahoma General and Brent Venables? I would say Oklahoma feels pretty comfortable. I don't think they, they know that they're going to land Kendall Daniels. But I think they have a good idea that, you know, they're right up there with Clemson. And I'm not sure where Texas A&M lies with him. Um, so I'd lean towards a Clemson-OU battle there, uh, which is one they can win. Um, as far as the previous safeties, I think it's just a lethargic staff with Mike Stoops and um, Kerry Cooks. Gosh. I think they always it was under the assumption that these are in-state guys, so um, we can always revisit them, you know, no matter the talent. We can go out. We go to California, we go to Florida and try to recruit these guys from, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, Matter Day, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And then once we get those guys on board, we can revisit and go back to Dax or we can go back to Proctor. Um, so it was one of those things where it was under the assumption that because they're in-state, OU's pretty safe. Um, and I think that's where OU's done a nice job with Kendall Daniels. They have Brian Odom that uh, keeps tabs on him pretty much daily or weekly um, mm-hmm. based on interviews. And the funny thing about Stephen Parker was, was he wasn't he committed to A and M or wasn't he like an A and M lean for a long time? I think a lot of people assumed that Texas A and M was going to land him and for a little bit. He I'm was not the sure one if he that committed. he was the one that Taylor Ham followed into the bathroom and tried to interview him at the <laughs> urinal, right? Yeah, that was the the famous Taylor Ham story. Yeah, Taylor blocked me on Instagram, Twitter, so I can no longer make urinal jokes to him. I think um, he works for Texags now. Does he? Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. But it's just unreal to look at all these players because you know Josh Proctor's going to the NFL. You know Dax Hill's going to the NFL. Cam Curl's already there. Sunderland's already there. Steven Parker regressed as he was on campus because there was no set system. I, I try to imagine what a Steven Parker could do. And honestly, I try to imagine what a Steven Parker and Will Sunderland could 
could do in a Alex Grinch defense as opposed to Patrick Fields and Delorean Turner-Yale. And that's not to slide Delorean Turner-Yale, DTY, and Patrick Fields, but Will Sunderland and Stephen Parker are much better options at those positions. And just to see what OU could have done with those guys in a better system that fits them like a lot smoother, it would be uh, night and day, especially for that 2018 and 2017 uh, seasons where they had probably had uh, national title teams and just couldn't get it done on defense. Uh, Savion Bird, he has been the the name of the week seemingly. Like like SMU lean. This guy talking about SMU. If you look at any broadcaster forecast for him, it all says SMU written all over it, and he is a elite caliber offensive tackle. And for some reason, again, you hear you heard rumblings of OU, and they're like, hey, this guy might be interested in OU, and now it's to the point where it's, hey, OU might be trying to get him to commit just before the July 4th fireworks. What do we know about Savion Bird, and what do you think of his game? As far as OU's interest, they've always kind of been in there. It hasn't really been talked about because I think Bird's a little bit more quiet. Um, but OU's been up there with SMU in Texas as far as um, you know, his leading schools. And it's another thing like Wheaton. And I think where OU has the advantage, and we'll kind of revisit this with Tristan Lay at the same time, is OU's known now for putting offensive linemen in the NFL. I mean, that's kind of their brand. It's a tough offensive line. Um, you're going to pretty much run over people in uh, the Big 12, and then you're going to go get you know first, second, third round draft pick. So I think that's their advantage. And I think um, as far as being able to close, that's where, where Bill Biedenboe does it the best. Rather than Texas, you have a rebuilding staff in SMU. You can kind of look at a guy like Ed Oliver almost, um, a highly touted guy that goes to a G5 school, doesn't have the best experience, but lands in the NFL anyway. So, I look at Savion Bird, and I think of Bobby Evans, because not be- mm-hmm. in, in Evans was a, a pretty good recruit in himself. I think he was one, top 150. But I look at I look at him and it's I look at how quick his feet are, I look at how long his arms are. But not just that, I look at the athleticism that he has as a big man. Now he's like six foot four, six five, two fifty. And by the time he, if he, you know, when he becomes a Sooner or if he becomes a Sooner, like it looks likely that he will be training to the Sooners pretty soon, uh, sooner than later. But by the time he would start of course he'd be near 300 just like all the other Oklahoma offensive linemen and if he can keep those keep that athleticism and those quick feet he's going to be a first second rounder just like several of the other offensive linemen and Bobby Evans was a surprise and what he went third early third round isn't that right he went before or was it late late second round I think it was a third round. I might need to double check. But that. he was the first one out of all the other guys, of course, other than Orlando Brown, that went in that draft. And I was so surprised that Bobby Evans was the first one to go out of a lot of those other those guys. Like Drew Samia was available, and then of course Ben Powers was later taken. He ended up playing later on for the Ravens. So that shows you just you go to Bill Beatembo. He'll get you straight. You want to play in the NFL? We've got tons and tons of experience that I'll show you, but you might have to wait two years. Now, this coming year, I mean, like, you look at the talent that they've stockpiled. They really, really like the kid out of Broken Arrow, and they really like a lot of other guys that could play early. So just saying that Bill Beatonbow, if you want to be the best, you got to go play for the best. And Oklahoma, like you said, they've really developed that mentality and that pipeline to the NFL. 
But July fireworks, you know, there many cities are canceling their fireworks, but that doesn't <laughs> mean that Oklahoma and the Sooners will not be having their own fireworks on July 3rd, 4th, and 5th, uh, and days after. So, of two players that have named their July 4th commitment date, Caleb Williams is the obvious one. We've mentioned already uh, Keon Coleman is another one. And so, we have a list of names that Oklahoma's got guys leaning toward them. And so, like, how many of these guys would you, like, we're looking at Caleb Williams, Keon Coleman, Prophet Brown, Latrell McCutcheon, Bryce Foster, Marcus Burris, Julio Farouk. I'm not high on David Abiara because if he's not, if he's not, Switching from Notre Dame now, when will he? But, you know, I think OU is going to have conversations with him to shit or get off the pot, so to speak. And Kamar Wheaton. So, I mean, there's lots of guys leaning Oklahoma's way and a lot of guys that could be committing to Oklahoma relatively soon. But who do you expect to be committed at midnight, July 5th? So how many guys do you think between now and basically next Sunday? I think the last podcast we said probably three is the baseline. Yeah. I would say maybe you can push it to four now with Keon Coleman kind of trending in that direction. So you look at uh, Caleb Williams, obviously big announcement already uh, set for the fourth. Keon Coleman set for the fourth. But there was an article that said M- Maryland had a had a last talk with Caleb Williams. <laughs> well, you have to sell something. You got to sell controversy. That's that's nobody's the nobody's point. buying that though, right? No, it's like the the Kyler Murray, uh, Austin Kendall debate it's like every, is austin kindle really putting up much of a fight just like tanner mordecai will be dispenser right there. <laughs> that's true um uh, but you look at a guy like latrell mccutcheon prophet brown um i think there's rumors of a defensive commit out there so um those are two you would watch marcus burris maybe he's been turning in ou's direction um kamar wheaton he's kind of been rumored to have an announcement ready but no one really knows when so those are some names i would watch um bryce foster Another guy that oh you sitting pretty well with. I think he wants to take some visits, especially being a track and field guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure if I would kind of write him down yet. But nonetheless, these are all names that Oklahoma's trending positively for. And regarding Caleb Williams, five star kid, number one player, uh, quarterback in the in the nation, and top five player in the nation. And it really seems like for the Sooners. Uh, anti Kevin Durant situation going on the fourth when you have an when you have your own sports illustrated, you know, kind of article that's already been pre written by the way, and it's already saved in the articles and drafts. They're just waiting to post it on July fourth. And seems like an anti Kevin Durant situation where instead of saying my next chapter, he's gonna go somewhere else. It looks like it's gonna be trending positively for Oklahomans that prefer the Crimson and Cream. Now if you're an Oklahoma State and Thunder person, well, it's just, you know, it's just like life shitting on you again where you know, Kevin Durant leaves on the fourth and then all of a sudden Oklahoma gets the best quarterback in the class on the fourth. So you, there's really no winning for them, but especially with the Mike Gundy stuff lately and uh, maybe a lot of other players coming out and saying some pretty some suggestive things about him, not great about him, uh, about the Colorado situation. Just that's a bunch of yikes. But yeah, I, I would expect Oklahoma to get Caleb Williams, Keon Coleman, and then at least one of the two of McCutcheon and Brown, and then Bird, I think he might commit before the 4th. So I think by the time of July 5th, basically midnight, July 4th, or July 5th, I would expect maybe even four, four guys, um, maybe five. It, I, don't, it, I, I would cap it off at five. I don't think there's any more than five, but even still... 
Oklahoma is going to shoot up the recruiting rankings, and they don't have a ton of three stars in like Tennessee. They tout their massive class, but that's because their classes are already pretty much filled. I think they have 23 guys, and the majority of them are three-star kids. And Oklahoma's, yeah, I did the math on that one. Yeah, it's just Oklahoma's filling it with five-star and four-star kids, so it's going to look really dumb for the volunteers, for the Vols, once all this is said and done, and then they get beat by Oklahoma and Norman. It's, it's unbelievable to me. What's the possibility that this is Lincoln's best class ever? And then what's and what's the possibility to you that, or when's the last time Oklahoma's had a class this, a class this good? I think you have to look at the 2019 class with the, the three five star receivers, um, Spencer Rattler, um, all those guys. So I think this has the possibility to be better. I think it's better um, filled out across the board. I don't think it's you know, too heavy on the offensive side. Especially with now, defensive the, needs, right? Right, right. And they're going to have to close on some guys that they you know, they haven't closed on in the past. Kendall Daniels, they're going to have to close on that. Um, you have guys out there um, like JT, whatever his last name is, the alphabet pretty much. Um, <laughs> he's probably, he looks to be an Ohio State lean, but Oklahoma's still in that conversa- conversation, especially more so if they get Caleb Williams on the fourth. So, um, this has the possibility to be his best class just because of how spread out the talent is. And they have a bunch of needs, and it looks like for the first time in a long time, Oklahoma's filling those needs on defense that are just, like, gaping. And, of course... Yeah, you have Clayton Smith already committed. Yeah, and, and that's a guy that Oklahoma, they have not had success in going to that area of Texas and being and just having any sort of success recruiting there. And with, with what Brian Odom is able to do... And what Jamar Kane has been able to do is just unreal. He hasn't even coached these guys yet. He hasn't even been on the field screaming at them yet. And he's a West Coast guy near from Sacramento, so he's able to go and secure kids' commitments without playing a down of football, without coaching them, without doing anything other than talking to the staff. It's just unbelievable the staff that Oklahoma's put together. So, I mean, kudos to Lincoln Riley for putting together a great staff offensively that he already has in place, but also defensively, where you've got Alex Grinch at the helm, but also great recruiters like Roy Manning and Jamar Kane, along with Brian Odom, who players absolutely love. I mean, just look at Kenneth Murray. Look what he said about Brian Odom anytime his name pops up in comparison to him being radio silent on Tim Kish. I think it speaks volumes. He's like, oh, yeah, because he never mentions Tim Kish. He mentions how good of a coach Mike Stoops was, and then he just raves and raves and says, Brian Odom is the best linebacker coach I've ever had. He's the best linebacker coach, period. And I just think that shows you the testament to what Lincoln Riley is able to do and what he has been doing with this staff. And I think they're setting them up really nicely for a national title run with the next few years. I mean, the Sooners are now just trending into that direction of, all right, the offense has already been there. The defense is now effectively turning toward that. And so this year in 2020, it's going to be odd because they, what, have three or four less practice weeks and several other teams because Lincoln Riley made that decision. And so I think 2020 is going to be the odd year in comparison to 21 and then they're on until Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch decided to part. But as soon as they're returning to campus en masse, and they have a pretty official protocol, and there's it's, it's like a page long. <laughs> but I've noted just a few things that they were going to say. They mentioned that, hey, if they have a positive test, that, of course, OU's medical staff is going to work with them and get track and tracing to where that will alert 
everybody else where they've been and that will alert other players so that they can be safer in which Oklahoma is like basically in other states are refusing to do and that's why their cases of COVID-19 are going up because you refuse to track and trace they mention workouts and how the group size is going to be limited of course that's what you want and that's what several other high schools and big high schools and institutions are doing anyways but also social distancing and meetings and a lot of other things so like that's why Lincoln Riley says hey we're not going to use the big meeting room. They will, but it'll be way different than years past. And then one of the two other notable things is the athletic department has way more sanitation, including fogging and spraying applications, and that staff members have self-clean kits, and that door tags will be turned to red if a room has been occupied to assist custodial staff. So basically, if a door tag is red, they're sanitizing it so nobody gets a virus and all internal doors will be left open so nobody's touching a door handle something i thought was really funny was that players are no longer allowed to shower um, in the facilities they have to do that stuff in their dormitories of their own facilities which i thought is going to be really terrible so like what, what are they going to do just just hand off their their practice gear into the into the bins <laughs> and then just like sweat in their clothes back to their dorm room and then something that, that was significant, actually, which was because a lot of other major institutions are doing this, and Oklahoma's not, is Ohio State, Iowa, and several others have mentioned they're going to have their players sign health waivers regarding COVID-19, and Oklahoma is not doing that. So, I mean, what, do you, what are your feelings about this? This seems a lot more comprehensive than several other institutions like Houston, who's not even going to test their players or who wasn't going to test their players until they started feeling ill. Like, what does it say about Stoops, not Stoops, what does it say about Riley's staff and how they're being proactive about this? I think, I mean, I think they're just leaning on their medical staff to just give them guidance. I don't, think, I don't think a lot of programs have done that, especially Oklahoma State where you have Mike Gunny, you know, saying, oh, we can bring him back because, you know, they're 18, 19, 20, 21, um, in great shape, so they shouldn't have any issues if they get sick. Um, whereas Lincoln Riley, I think they brought in, um, oh, I can't remember his name, but a doctor that has you know a background in contagious uh, diseases, and they're just saying, hey, we might need to run this a little bit like it's a hospital. Uh, we're going to leave doors open, um, rooms that have been possibly contaminated, we're going to flag those so we can get um, a cleaning staff in there. Um, so I don't think Lincoln Riley is really taking the, the head on this. He's just saying, hey, what do I need to do to keep my players safe? Um, and we feel confident enough in doing that that we don't need a waiver. Yeah, and and I talked to some family members of current student-athletes for the football team, and a lot of them feel really comfortable with going to OU. A lot of them feel incredibly comfortable with returning, have their, having their sons and their family members returning to play for Lincoln Riley. And a lot of it was, you know, they feel like football needs to be played. They feel like the protocol that Lincoln Riley and staff has put in place is really, really healthy. And they feel like that they're more protected than several others in the country. I mean, just look north to Stillwater and what Mike Gundy, like you said, what he has just thrown out there. And they they said the major issue, though, the major concern with a lot of these parents and a lot of these family members is not that their players will get sick and that they won't be handled because Oklahoma's got the protocol down. There's several other instances of what we just stated, but these are just a few of the ones that I pointed out that are pretty intriguing to me. The thing that they mentioned, that these family members mentioned, was 
the things outside of football that how their 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 sons their nephews their cousins whatever how they're going to have to act outside of football regarding you know they have to be self-disciplined they have to wear masks 24/7 uh all the time and with the team doctor like that you just said he's not worried about athletes and the athletics they're more worried about going to class and they're more worried about the other student population how they're not going to get you know COVID-19 and that these players are gonna have to practice a lot of obedience as far as you know instead of partying on a Friday night and Saturday night in campus corner you might have to sit your ass at home so you can play the next week and so that's going to be the main thing so when we talk about man this Sooners team is young they're maybe a little immature because of how young they are. They don't have a lot of senior leadership. Is that a definite concern for you going on to the season because they don't have definite voices? They don't have a Kenneth Murray saying, hey, don't do that stuff. They might have a Caleb Kelly, but it doesn't seem necessarily like an alpha male like Kenneth Murray is and stuff like that. Does that concern you going into the season? Oh, I think that's a definite concern because me and you, we just got out of college not too long ago. Um, so we kind of know what a Friday night, what a Saturday night, even like a Sunday night mm-hmm. could be. Um, and you don't have, like you said, Kenneth Murray out there, you know, you know, stay in your dorm room, whatever, play Xbox, play PlayStation. Um, you might have that in like Creed Humphrey. I'm not really sure if he's a big voice like uh, Kenneth Murray was, but um, it is a big concern because especially a lot of this team is going to be redshirt freshmen, sophomores. Um, they're going to be really young and they're going to want to experience that college life. It's just, it, I just think that, because I think there's a definite, I think there will be football played. Uh, I, I think there's there's no way it won't be played unless something horrific does happen. Um, and President Harrow just mentioned, you know, wearing masks in school and in the stadium. And it sounded really a when this thing happens and not an if thing, if this thing happens. But I just think that, like you said, you know, a lot of these guys are young, and not many of them are trying to get to the NFL right now, unless your name is Trey Brown or unless your name is Caleb Kelly or other guys or like Ronnie Perkins who's going to serve a suspension. So guys like that that have NFL futures, they may they may be the guys that are watching their stuff, but then you look at you know Trajan Bridges who's not going to play for the first five games, and he's young, and then you look at Jaden Hazelwood who... He's not going to play, and he's young, so it's just it's concerning because these guys could go get something from maybe Logies or whatever, and then come back and go to practice, and the next thing you know, you have several positive cases. So, really, really intriguing. So, the, I feel like there's going to have to be some sort of like reporting of honesty to your to your coaches, like, yo, I went to this place, and I have no idea, because if there's not that transparency, you can you can definitely see, you know, oh, 15 players testing positive the week after because somebody didn't tell somebody that they went to Logie's on a Friday night or somebody went out to some other place on Friday night or they were hanging out in the pools. Uh, it's crazy, and it's definitely uncharted waters, and it's definitely unprecedented times. But speaking to Harrow's, he did mention several, several times wearing masks for class and in the stadium. And I said a long time ago, if Oklahoma is hosting classes on campus, you effectively are saying, hey, if we're hosting class on campus, it is effectively okay for you to host 22 players on a football field and then, you know, 200 players across both sides of the football field. And so do you definitely think this is a when this happens instead of an if? Because right now, because like we look at Texas. Texas is in bad shape. 
there's San Antonio, the Houston area has been hit really bad. Dallas and a lot of these counties are getting shut down. Like I, I, I saw some of my buddies from Houston. They got they they're getting emergency text messages from their counties and saying, "Yo, COVID alert! Stay home! Don't do this." And a lot of counties, Texas are shutting down. Oklahoma, Oklahoma City's rates are actually going down. Tulsa's are still skyrocketing. Norman's rates are going up a little bit. Um, but you know, it's it's kind of scary. But I still think that this thing is fully going to happen whether it's in the spring like our good friend brady trantham has said several times which could cause other things like chuba hubbard to sit out talon wallace to sit out from this from oklahoma state because they're seniors but this definitely seems like a when not an if right yeah i think we're still far enough away from the football season where things can get better uh, right now they're not looking too great but from a month from now what does it look like it could be just as worse or it could be a lot better so um, I think it's more of a win. Maybe you, you're still kind of questioning those out-of-conference games. Right. Um, but I think the, the in-conference games are still a definite um, possibility. Because I think I think worst-case scenario right now is not there's not going to be athletics. I think the worst-case scenario now, when by the time people – because people are now coming around to the idea of this is going to cause, just like the NBA – it's going to cause a financial pitfall for the NCAA, ESPN, CBS, ABC, and just the cities that these universities are in, the different sports that football supplies and helps fund. And people are like are now coming to understand, like, oh, yeah, football's really damn important for a lot of other things, not just that sport and not just that logo. And I think worst-case scenario now is no fans in the stands. And then I look at what the NFL what the NFL is doing, that the Steelers came out and says that they're going to tarp off the first eight to ten rows just to ensure a buffer of students or spectators in the football stadium. And even if there's even if there's a limited capacity, just making sure there's a lot of buffer between students or patrons to the athletes to make sure there's nobody getting really you know, spit or droplets, what they want to say, on these players because they don't want to chance it. And I keep on looking at college football playoff in comparison to NCAA. And I think I mentioned this on last week's podcast with Jack. And it's like the 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 NCAA, especially, especially college football, it definitely seems like this is a year, like the NBA, is a time to experiment in which to A, recruit lost revenue that they will definitely lose because they're not having packed stadiums and B just to have see what else they can do so like going to an 18 playoff even though the FCS does 16 you know and just playing conference games only seeing what that looks like so do you think that all these things are on the table I that they're going to experiment the hell out of it and just say you know what we need to recoup money we're still going to have bowl games and that the worst that could happen is just maybe no fans or maybe only 10,000 fans I mean, I, I like the idea of just cutting off those first eight to ten rows, um, not just for your own team, but for the away team, um, because you don't want fans behind your away team um, getting too close. Maybe one of them's sick, and then all of a sudden, you know, Texas Tech's in town, and now they have 22 cases because one person got too close because they wanted to yell at the opposing team. Um, so I like that idea. Honestly, I don't really see fans being in the stadium, and if they are, they're going to have to be wearing masks, and mm-hmm. then it's going to have to be enforced. So if someone takes it off, 
Um, uh, wants to walk around without a mask, you have to kick him out. Gary from Goatee That's just the responsible. Yeah. He's Gary's like, I don't want to wear a mask. It's taking away my freedom. It's hard to breathe. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I don't want this muzzle on. My gosh. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's like, well, you know, I heard COVID makes it all harder to breathe, so I don't know. <laughs> Gary from Godibo is going to be pissed until he can't watch it sooner. Then he might wear it. And even then, he says, you're, yeah, I don't, don't want to get into that. It's just, it's an ongoing narrative. Like, it, it, when you go shopping, do you see people, like, in the grocery store wearing masks or no? It's like 50-50. Really? It's like 50-50 here. I per, I wear a mask. Um, even if I went to the bar, we just wear a mask up to the bar. You get a drink. You go back to your table. You can take it off. Yeah. It's like two minutes. Um, but that I mean that's just uh, my my choice. I can understand that people don't want to do that. Um, it's an inconvenience, and I think a lot of it is I don't want to go buy a mask. And I think the responsible thing that bars have done in Oklahoma City was, hey, we'll give you a mask. It's a dollar, two dollars, whatever, and you can put it on and keep it and. If you want to go back and forth, just put it on. So that's cool. Uh, But in the stadium, I just, I don't know if you can really do that. No idea how you enforce that, but just like, just like classes in the fall, right? Like they are going to have to learn a lot of, I think a lot of classes over 40. So basically undergrad classes are going to be online only. And then when you get in your upper level division courses, when it's 30, 25 or less, then they will, they will require you. Or maybe not require you, but I think it's. I think they know you come out and say on all three of their campuses they're requiring you to wear masks. I think so. So I mean, that's just going to be the name of the game, and so it just like because the places I've been, I I feel like me and my fiance are the only ones, or maybe two out of ten people are wearing masks. And I'm just like, well, this is not going to be good in a couple of weeks. Um, so who knows? Even though Oklahoma City's their their positive rates and the guys that are uh, contracting it are the case the amount of case numbers are going down but who who knows especially after this july 4th weekend because we saw what happened after memorial day so that will be no fun but last chance you they came out and stated this is their last football season they're going to cover and then they're going to go to basketball like first of all i'm sure you're going to watch last chance you but second Will you watch the Last Chance U version of basketball? Oh, yeah. I love Last Chance U. But I can understand that, um, you know, after, is this the fifth season? I think so, yeah. Probably. Because they went to, went to Eastern Mississippi twice, Indy twice, and now it's Lane College. I don't know what that is. It's going to be a little bit stale. Just because <laughs> there's only so much drama. Yeah. Um, and a kid not going to class. Or, if he, you know, 50 50 is going to go to class on time. Is he going to make the grade? So you can only kind of mix that formula up so many times. That's true. It makes sense. I mean, that's a, that's just become that's become a summer ritual. Like that's like oh, football time's around the corner because it's in July and we're getting this yeah. JUCO stuff. I mean, I've got Jason Brown's book and he like was said he was going to be somebody's Nazi and that's not good. <laughs> um, but then yeah, it makes sense. And I always worry about that Bobby kid from Independence. Oh, what was his last yeah. name? Uh, I don't even know Bobby something like. Apparently, he went back to Independence and uh, ended up either playing some more or just ended up getting his associate's degree. Who knows? But I think I think it's intriguing, anyways. Yeah. I mean, I think they hit gold in season two. Yeah. Just because EMCC had so many non-player characters. Yeah. Like you had like the uh, academic advisor, the offensive coordinator, obviously the head coach. So you could follow those guys and be intrigued by their story. 
but in the later seasons, you don't. You only have that head coach. Yeah. That was the only person I was interested in. And what I think is interesting, because we look at these really, really pretty successful JUCOs in Eastern Mississippi or Indy or Iowa Western or what have you, and like you see the issues going on between players, getting them to do their, get their grades up, getting them to go to class. And they failed. They failed maybe a class because they haven't turned in, or they're about to fail because they haven't turned in an essay. And then you attribute that to what a lot of these JUCO players that you're getting are going through, like Justin Harrington. I'm not saying Justin Harrington is like a lazy guy by any means, but I'm saying you get to peek inside the lives of what they come from, like Perry and Winfrey, Josh Ellison, Isaiah Coe, uh, Justin Harrington, and what, what they deal with on a daily basis and how a Juco ball is a lot different from D1 or even FCS schools. So I think it's pretty intriguing that you get to look at that. I'll still watch the basketball version because, I mean, I still like that Last Chance U brand. So it's really, really fun, really interesting how what they deal with. And, you know, again, mentioning Justin Harrington, What's your biggest question mark for the Sooners heading into this summer camp, other than, of course, how can you stay healthy? I think it has to be the quarterback position. I mean, you have Spencer Rattler there, a five-star quarterback, has a great arm. Um, Everybody's really intrigued what he's going to do. But you missed out on that opportunity to get him involved in the offense and kind of take that lead role. Um, So how fast can you get Spencer Rattler ready? Um, whether it be you know four or five weeks rather than you had that, that springtime to really get him involved in the offense, get the playbook down, um, kind of get that chemistry going. So I think that's the biggest question for me. So I take that, and I understand that because that's the – I mean, tomorrow I'm hopping on a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and that's one of the first questions they send. It's like, hey, Spencer Rattler, what's it? What's what's his deal, especially without a spring? And, like, that's a question Oklahoma's – Oklahoma's going to have to answer. And I think I think they're going to be solid there. And the question that I have is kind of – I have two two big questions. One of them is a lot bigger than the other. So, first of all, the wide receivers, that's a big that's a big yikes. Just, like, looking at the roster, I mean, like, you have a bunch of white guys that are walk-ons, and including Drake Stoops, who actually isn't on scholarship. And then you have injured guy and Jaden Hazelwood, Theo Howard, and you have suspended guy under Trajan Bridges. So – it's not, it's not that great. Not that great, Chief. And but and then, but I look at the defensive line. There's no Q Overton who was a good run stopper because he just plugged holes, right. and plugged gaps. But then there's no Neville Gallimore, which people double teamed and triple teamed at times. There's no Ronnie Perkins for five games who wants to go, you know, pro maybe this year. So you're really putting a lot of emphasis on. Laurent Stokes, you're putting a lot of emphasis on un- untapped potential in Marcus Hicks, Marcus Stripling, um, oh, Corey Roberson, Jordan Kelly, and a lot of other guys. They're just really untried talent. So one of them is you kind of know what you have in your wide receiver course, especially Charlie Rambo, who was open several yeah. times during the year. Theo Weiss. And, th- and Theo Weiss, of course. So like you, you have talent that you know is there charleston Rambo, you know what he did he got 700 yards in a offense ran jalen hurts and he was wide open so many times and then theo weiss who was a five-star guy i mean like that's what like you said earlier oklahoma's class in 2019 with three five-star receivers unbelievable that like some only get one oklahoma got three of them and dennis simmons not getting recruiter of the year is unbelievable for that anyways and so oklahoma's they're gonna have weapons and lincoln Riley's gonna make it work but I look at the defensive line, and you're really recruit. You're really depending on Perry and Winfrey to fill that gap of what Neville Gallimore was able to do. You're really going to depend on 
uh, Laron Stokes, Jalen Redmond, and then a lot of the other guys, untapped potential. Now, we know how good David Aguebu is going to be at that rush edge. We, we've seen flashes. You know Nick Benito. JMT has injury history, but he still was, he was good, at really, really good at setting the edge last year. But there's just a lot of uncertainties going on that defensive line that's going to lead to how effective, of course, your linebackers and how effective your defensive backs can be. That's my biggest question is the defensive line. But some other random things that has nothing to do with league play. The Dallas News, apparently, this was a, this is a story. In 2019, Dallas News spoke to SMU football players. Um, the SMU police, excuse me, spoke to SMU football players when and officers were invited to speak. And when athletes talked about, you know, what to do, uh, because, you know, if they get wrongfully pulled over or if, if they're being, you know, wrongfully accused of something or whatever, the officer suggested athletes could fight back during police stops and even try and run because they were probably faster than the officers anyway. And this was last year. Could you? Oh, I, oh my gosh. Like, what do you, what do you even say to that? It seems like. It was probably an officer that was trying to, like, be cool and relatable and kind of make those guys laugh, but that's such a such a bad quote. <laughs> I don't think he probably meant it in, like, a really mean way. I think he was trying to, like, joke around, but uh, that wasn't, that wasn't yeah. the time. T- read the room. Might have been Gundy's cousin. I don't know. Like, it's just, like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> officer Gundy. Just- it's like, oh yeah, the 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 officers suggest athletes could fight back during police stops and just try and run because they're probably faster. And it's just like, what are you doing? And 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 SMU, their campus, by the way, is beautiful, and that's a really nice school in the middle of the Metroplex. And you're gonna say, oh yeah, uh, it's just fight back, or you know, just like run, try and run because you're faster than most of these cops. It's just, it's so unbelievable. And then something that just I thought was funny, and we can make up other brands that can do this. Under Armour is attempting to terminate their their deal with UCLA early. So all their uniforms are sponsored by Under Armour. Under Armour's trying to terminate that with UCLA. So what why would A Under Armour probably try to terminate that deal and B what are some other companies that you think might step up to the table to a sponsor? UCLA. <laughs> I think it's a little bit that Under Armour's kind of they're losing ground a little bit to Nike and Adidas, which Nike's always been the biggest yep. brand. But at one point, Under Armour was, was doing something a little bit different that Nike just couldn't replicate at the time. And now that Nike has it, you know, they back and caught up with like the thermo like mm-hmm. gear, um, cold weather gear, that kind of stuff. They've lost that competitive advantage. Um, so. They're running out of, you know, maybe they don't have as much money as they did five years ago. And B, they read UCLA completely <laughs> wrong. Um, I mean, UCLA, it used to be a pretty good program. Yeah. It really did. And it was attractive, had great, I mean, their their uniforms were insane. Especially when you, like, compare them to that UCLA-USC yeah, that, match. that powder blue and gold, it looks fantastic. Yeah. And then they read Chip Kelly wrong. Chip Kelly's not a recruiter. He's a guy that just goes in there and he wants to run his system. And he relies on a lot of uh, his assistants to do the recruiting. And his players don't trust um, him The marketing. At all. Yeah. 
And you look at UCLA, their best players are transferring out. Uh, two of them. Theo Howard's at two OU. Two of them at OU. They had the um, other offensive linemen. They transferred to OU. Chris Anderson or something like that. that. He's already at OU. Um, their defensive end went to Miami. So they don't have any really name-brand players anymore outside of their, their quarterback. Whatever happened to Josh Warboko? Uh, I think he doesn't play football. Yeah, that makes sense. Sounds like a lot of the other UCLA players. I think he was there for like maybe two years, three years, and just kind of called it quits. So what brands do you think would be willing to sponsor UCLA? I mean, you could go back to Adidas. Those Adidas uniforms were terrible. Yeah, they were. But you could go back to Adidas. What about Fila? Uh, Fila would be interesting. Or FUBU. <laughs> That's a Theo Howard Or said. Reebok. So, so Reebok, <laughs> that wouldn't... That wouldn't surprise me because Reebok, they've actually rebranded themselves, right? So now it's their their logo is right. different, and now Reebok is like the king of CrossFit. They're the king of doing all those shoes and exercise equipment and exercise uh, fits that Reebok is now fitting all the other CrossFit and lifting people in the world. So it wouldn't surprise me for them to be going back to Reebok. And is Puma effectively dead now? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen Puma in a while. You could do Champion, though. Champion's, Champions hot, which is which is interesting because, you know, Champion used to be stuff that sold out like at Walmart. And Champion... All, and now it's like $50. All suddenly is really expensive. So, like, I, I look at... I look at like my closet and stuff I've been wearing for the past ten years. Like you know, it's like gym shorts that are still fine. And I'm like, hey, these are back in style again. I've never stopped wearing them when they were not cool because they're just gym shorts. Right. So I just think it's really interesting. I saw a post that uh, it was making fun of them, but UCLA wearing Lululemon <laughs> uh, apparel, and that would that would strike it pretty is, easily though with UCLA being in Los Angeles. Yeah, you'd have to have a company that makes shoes though. Oh, that's true. So Reebok would be the only company. Maybe I don't know. Puma doesn't really do. Puma doesn't. I like they. Do they do cleats? I guess Puma they would do used soccer. to be the, the soccer one, but Nike's overtaken that too. Yeah, and Adidas. Gosh. So I would look at Adidas probably. K Swiss. Um, maybe like. <laughs> God. K Swiss shoes. Get and like one. Because Puma, Puma, they tried to get into the NBA arena, but it's not going well. No, that doesn't seem like it because would fit. didn't Zion Williamson sign that deal with Puma or am I crazy? Did he? Somebody did. A few people did. I might be crazy. I don't know, but I just really I think it's really interesting that UCLA under Chip Kelly is doing squat, even though the other guys had them going a little bit, a little bit, and now all of a sudden they're losing their rec, they're losing their apparel deals and stuff like that. Just pretty fantastic. But man, I'm about done what do you have anything else not really i'm just still chilling at home i have started golfing how's that it's uh it's not the best I'm not i've very never good. golfed a, a day in fun. my life I've, i played tennis and that you should try Tennis it. is like a lot harder than people think it is um but oh, it's, yeah. yeah i like tennis a lot and uh, i remember my, my undergrad at uco the tennis courts are right next to the football field so you could just have a lot of fun and just like hit a home run with the tennis ball and see if you could land it onto the football <laughs> field. That was always fun. But yeah, tennis is a lot more difficult. Golf, like what athletic part it's of your patient. body is it? Like, is it a lot of strain on your back? 
Because I know Tiger Woods has a it lot is. of back problems. You're sore the next day. Interesting. Is there like a method to it to not being sore? Kind of like shooting a shotgun for the first time? I guess just repetition. Like it just get like muscle memory. Because okay. it's like muscles you don't really use too yeah, often. I, I can see that. And like you're doing it at a rapid pace, especially if you're teeing off, right? Um. Yeah, if you keep missing. I've missed a few tees. Is it embarrassing? To, yeah, but you get over it pretty quick. Once you hit that like one drive, you're like, that was worth it. <laughs> Is, what what is more difficult, putting, or the rest of the game in itself? Putting, definitely putting. I always think about Happy Gilmore when he screams at the ball to go to his home. I've kind of been there. <laughs> I've kind of been there, because putting you just, it's just hard to read how hard you need to hit the ball. Right. So I'm over here just hitting it like 25 yards when I need to hit it like two feet. That's 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 fantastic, but. Man, I think that I think that's about it for us. So, Stephen, again, for people that are listening, to maybe this podcast for the first time, Stephen is officially, me and Stephen are officially podcasting together once again, and we're going to be doing the recruiting podcast every other week until the regular season starts, which is actually not that far away because July starts in like two days. Okay, people. So, like, we're very close to football season. Uh, we're very close to practices where, you know, albeit they will be odd and limited and like list any sort of information. And um, Stephen, tell people where they can find all of your stuff and mention even the Discord that we still play on. Uh, I'm on Twitter at OUUpdatedSB. Um, you can find us at roughriders.com. And then we have Discord. Um, it's a daily chat. We're usually in there. I'm um, talking about transfers, recruiting, um, some Thunder basketball, really anything yeah. um, going on in there. So you can find that. If you need an invite, just DM me. Um, but I'll also send them out on Twitter. It's good stuff. And, like, people are chatting 24-7. And it's pretty – it's a good community. I mean, there's a lot of people on there that you will know from Twitter just in, just in general. But thanks, guys, for listening. Again, I really appreciate – all of you for listening during a pandemic especially with that things opening up again and maybe closing down who knows what the world is going to be like in two months uh please give us a five-star review really appreciate it and really appreciate those that have left those reviews in the past few days you can follow steven like you just said at OUPdatedSB. you can follow me at camera tcm you can follow the actual account at crimson at cc machine phones follow us at crimson uh that's it appreciate you guys and check you guys later Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.